Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's a Wednesday. It's June 21st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's reset today's poll questions, and we'll start here with the KDUS1060.com poll question, which I just accidentally hit the X on instead of the uh, refresh button. Uh, Is DeAndre Hopkins good enough to boost a contender into a conference championship team? And the masses here are on the no side of things at 55% of the vote, yes sitting at 45%. Yeah, pretty evenly divided. It was 50-50 before. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a good question. And uh, our friend Josh Alper from Pro Football Talk, when I asked him this question earlier, thought it was also a good question. So I was very proud of myself. Always the best when that happens. Uh, We'll answer it in totality around 1130 today. Still time for you to cast your vote. Switching things over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Who is the best AFC East team heading into training camp? And uh, the options, of course, are Buffalo, Miami, New England, and New York. Buffalo remains out in front 90% of the vote now. Miami trailing at 10%. I don't know if Josh voted. I'm sure he didn't, actually. But he had Buffalo. Uh, when I asked him that question during a set interview uh, in the first hour during the sports zone. And you can always podcast that over at kdos1060.com as well as with the KDOS 1060 app. We'll answer it around 1130. The Arizona Diamondbacks, they're getting ready to get underway here shortly. Uh, but let's briefly go back to last night. The Diamondbacks lost to the Brewers 7-5. to You had Ryan Nelson start five innings, six hits, three runs, six strikeouts, and one home run. Cattell Marte, he giveth. Cattell Marte taketh. He had a mixed day. <laughs> Uh, three for five with three RBIs, one home run, but a couple of mishandled plays in the field. Uh, yes, uh, that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, he, he's been, to me, surprisingly good on defense this year, especially based on what we saw the last couple of years. But last night was not his finest defensive moment. But also, you know, there were other circumstances that you know, kind of contributed to the Diamondbacks' loss. They got one run after the second inning, uh, which I thought got kind of lost in the shuffle. Uh, I thought that Nelson was okay. I mean, he obviously threw a horrible pitch, and Jesse Winker, who had not hit a home run this year in like 200 at-bats, uh, hit like a you know, tape measure Titanic home run off of him. Uh, but you know, other than that, he looked okay. But you know, it's, uh, he put them in position to win the game. And, uh, you know, they were winning when he left the game. Uh, but the offense didn't add on. Then after, uh, you know, the Marte, his two misplays in the uh, in the seventh inning, they, uh, you know, Austin Adams, who, you know, he, he was, quote, the losing pitcher, but he didn't really do anything wrong. He threw ground balls that weren't fielded. And then after he left the game, 
is uh, when Kyle Nelson came in and uh, Wilson Contreras hit the uh, the double, which was just a scorching double. I don't know how what the exit velo was on that, but it had to be over 100, and that gave uh, the uh, Brewers a 7-5 lead in the, uh, in the seventh inning. And the one thing the Brewers do have, even without Josh Hader, they still have some bullpen guys, and obviously, with the exception of over the weekend, Williams actually blew his first save of the season. And when they get to the ninth inning and Williams was pit, is pitching, you're probably not going to score against him. Uh, so, today, in just a few minutes, it's going to be Zach Gallen, who's 8-2, and 2.96 ERA, 100 strikeouts against Julio Tehran, 2-2, two two, 1.78 ERA, 20 strikeouts in this uh, rubber match. Yeah, Tehran, this is an unbelievable story. I mean, he was a really good pitcher for the Braves in uh, in the uh, you know, the last decade. Uh, I didn't even know he was still around until he showed up in Milwaukee. He didn't start the season with them, but uh, you know, he you know suddenly they had pitching injuries, and Woodruff obviously is out for a long time, and uh, so they brought him up, and he's been incredibly good. I don't know how he's getting people out because he doesn't throw as hard as he used to, and, but he's tricking them. Uh, and I know the metrics people hate him, and I understand that because that's all based on uh, miles per hour and all the you know the metrics things. But throw all that aside, he's two and two with a 178 earned run average so far. On the other hand, Gallon obviously really good. He's had nine quality starts this season. Uh, his last start was especially impressive, but it was against the anemic Guardians offense uh, last Friday. He only allowed one earned run in that in seven innings pitched, and he was in complete control of that game. Uh, just to give you some idea where he stacks up statistically in the National League amongst the starting pitchers, he's second with uh, with eight wins. He is uh, tied for third with 100 strikeouts. He's seventh with a 296 or a run average. And he's ninth with a whip of 113. Uh, so there's a lot of baseball games underway right now uh, to start the morning. So we'll kind of do a little back to yesterday, what's going on right now, and a look ahead to later on today as well. So the Blue Jays yesterday beat the Marlins 2-0. Today, the Blue Jays sent out Kevin Gosman uh, on the mound, the Marlins' Sandy Alcantara. And currently, it looks as though uh, the Blue Jays are on top of the Marlins 6-3 to in the top of the eighth inning. Yeah, the Marlins, yeah, I've talked about the Blue Jays a lot. I just don't believe in them, and I don't think there's any way with their current roster that I'm ever going to really believe that, or there's a reason to believe them in them uh, this season to get anything done. Uh, maybe make the playoffs, but I doubt it in the American League. In the National League, they can make the playoffs, but not in the American League. There's you know more good teams in the American League. Uh, but you know the Marlins, uh, you know they're ten games over 500 uh, for the first time since 2009, and Sandy Alcantara has been their best pitcher this season. Or excuse me, not this season. But he won the Cy Young Award last year, and he hasn't been good. And they're still doing well. And he got trashed today. Gave up uh, five more earned runs and gave up ten hits. Uh, and uh, you know they're actually they've been successful. And it's really kind of stunning for many reasons because their offense isn't very good. But their pitching has been really good. But their best pitcher, who won the Cy Young Award last year, has not been good. 
and he's got a you know, earn run average of over five. Uh, then you have the Orioles beating the Rays 8-6 to six yesterday. Tyler Wells up against Taj Bradley, and the Rays are on top of the Orioles in the bottom of the seventh, 4-1. to one. Yeah, Tampa Bay got four runs in the second inning in this game. Wells has been really good so far this season. I don't even think it's an argument that he's been their best starting pitcher uh, in a group of starting pitchers that is highly suspect and the biggest question for Baltimore. Uh, before today, Baltimore had won three of the four meetings so far this season against Tampa. Uh, that's important to note. I think that they've only played four games thus far this season heading into today because even after today, you know, they still have eight games left in the uh, regular season series. And, you know, the, the Orioles began today only two games behind the Rays in the loss column. That's how well the uh, the Orioles have played. And Tampa Bay just came off a not good road trip, including losing a series at San Diego. The Astros beat the Mets 4-2 to yesterday. This game is set to get started here shortly with uh, Christian Javier, who's 7-1, 2.90 ERA, 76 strikeouts. Tyler Megill, 6-4, 4.83 ERA, 56 strikeouts for the Mets. I'll just go back to last night. Framber Valdez against uh, you know Justin Verlander, the former teammates uh, from their Houston days. And Valdez had a no-hitter, I think, into the fifth or sixth inning last night. He was really good. Uh, Verlander, not so good uh, against the uh, Astros, who had lost a bunch of games in a row. You know, they're starting pitching, as we mentioned earlier uh, this week. And then, obviously, no Jordan Alvarez. A bad combination. Uh, They have not played very well at all. They're actually third now in the division uh, but, uh, you know, Valdez was just dominating last night against the Mets. The Braves beat the Phillies 4-2. to uh, A.J. Smith-Shaver, 1-0, 2.03 ERA, 11 strikeouts up against Aaron Nola today, 6-5, 4.66 ERA, 93 strikeouts. Uh, Smith-Shaver, I think everybody knows about Aaron Nola, including he you know, beat the Diamondbacks here last week. Smith-Shaver, I think, is very interesting. Um, he was a actually he was a high school quarterback and i'm talking about literally three within the last three years he was a high school quarterback the baseball team he played third base until his senior season when they suddenly needed some pitching and then the next thing you know he's pitching in high school his senior season throwing 95 miles an hour the braves find him they didn't draft him in the first round but it was you know three or third or fourth round somewhere in there and he's already less than three years out of high school pitching in the major leagues and he's done very well so far however he's pitched against Colorado and Washington so far Colorado in Atlanta where you know Colorado doesn't hit very well outside of Colorado then Washington doesn't hit anywhere very well anywhere uh, so he's been very good in those two starts he's stepping it up here against the Phillies but as I mentioned uh, in the sports zone today, the Phillies just never seem to beat the Braves for literally you know, five, six years, except last year in the playoffs when the Braves pitching staff was decimated because of injuries. The Yankees, 3-1 to one over the Mariners. Today it's Johnny Brito, 3-3, three three, 5.58 ERA, 30 strikeouts. Luis Castillo, 4-5, 2.73 ERA, 98 strikeouts. Yeah, I'm going to go back to last night again for the uh, Yankees. Uh, All the Garrett Cole bashers out there, which I just don't understand. Between the 
Garrett Cole bashers, and every time Clayton Kershaw doesn't throw like uh, you know seven innings of shutout ball, people lose their minds. Uh, Cole has been unbelievable this season. Uh, he's now eight and one. Uh, the Yankees are now seven and zero in starts that Cole has made after a Yankees loss. He is four and zero with a 187 earned run average in those games after a Yankees loss. Then you've already kind of touched on this a bit here about how exciting these two games were, but the Dodgers beating the Angels 2-0 from this morning. It wasn't 100% sure who the Dodgers were sending out to pitch, but it's going to be a Shohei Otani game today. 6-2, 3.29 ERA, 105 strikeouts. Yeah, the Dodgers kind of unofficially announced yesterday that Michael Grove is going to make another start. They just don't have anybody else at this point. Otani has never started a game against the Dodgers, which is kind of amazing because it's been like six years since he's been in the uh, in in the uh, major leagues. Uh, also, there has you know, been speculation for more than a calendar year that Otani, when he hits free agency, which is almost for sure going to be at the end of this season, unless the Angels just you know, give him a billion dollars, and you know Artie Moreno might do that. Who knows? But I doubt it that uh, you know Tani's next team will be the Dodgers. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. However, you know, the Dodgers and Angels, this has not been a good experience for the Dodgers, excuse me, for the Angels. The Dodgers have won the last seven meetings in this, uh, you know, the freeway series over the last couple of years plus now. And uh, they won last night. They won 2-0, 0-0 through seven innings. Uh, you know, Kershaw, seven shutout innings in that particular game. And then they uh, scored in the eighth inning and got the win. The Dodgers' bullpen did hold up last night. Caleb Ferguson, who has uh, been – actually, he was really good until June, and he's been really bad so far in June, but he pitched a scoreless eighth inning. And then the, uh, you know, the Dodgers ended up getting the, uh, getting the win. Uh, you know, I've gone uh, – Phillips. Uh, you know, Phillips, uh, who's actually been their really good relief pitcher along all this. He's even had a couple hiccups this month. But Phillips pitched a scoreless ninth inning last night, and the Dodgers got that save. Up the coast, it was San Francisco and San Diego. And uh, for a second straight night, San Francisco walked it off. Uh, literally, this time they walked it off. A bases loaded walk by Josh Hader uh, to Jock Peterson. And the Giants win a game. Uh, the night before, they had a three-run homer in the 10th inning to walk that game off. And uh, the Giants have won. Uh, i got to check my notes here real quick. I, I think it's either eight or nine in a row uh, so far. Uh, in this current streak. And, uh, of course, they host the Diamondbacks uh, this weekend. The Diamondbacks have this, you know, a little unusual road trip because of the Washington uh, smoke out a couple weeks ago. They're playing the three games at Milwaukee, including the day game, which is currently underway. Then they go to Washington to play the makeup game for tomorrow afternoon, our time in the morning. And then they go to San Francisco and play a three-game series against the suddenly hot Giants, who are in second place now ahead of the Dodgers after they swept them last weekend. And uh, they're only uh, two or three games behind the uh, Diamondbacks in the loss column at, uh, at this point after last night's, uh, after last night's uh, circumstances with the Dodgers uh, losing, uh, Dodgers winning again, the Diamondbacks losing, and the Giants winning. It's a two-game differential in the loss column uh, with Arizona sitting at 44-30. and 30. 
and San Francisco at 44, uh, 41, excuse me, and 32 at this point. Uh, the Giants are sending Ryan Walker to the mound 2-0, 1.65 ERA, 15 strikeouts. You Darvish going for the Padres, 5-5, five five, 4.74 ERA, 79 strikeouts. Some more baseball on the other side of the break. A player poll was conducted. Some interesting questions about some of the rule changes, uh, maybe even Shohei Otani. So we'll get into a little bit of that on the other side of the break. We'll also take your calls if you'd like to join the program, 602-260-1060. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060 on this Wednesday, June 21st. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big name guests, timely sports information and more on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Suggest you download the KDOS 1060 app, register, follow along for the instructions of how to get yourself eligible for the $100 gift certificate that's going on now through the rest of the month of June. You got you to follow the rules, really? Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately. Not how else are we going to know? Not one of my big strengths. <laughs> Rule <laughs> so, following. Yeah, not good. Or you, know, when you get like, say, you know, I've never been a very good home improvement type of guy, but you get like a, you know, like a something to assemble. That that's not going to ever work for me. Uh, well, there's no chance if I don't Sorry. follow the instructions that whatever I'm attempting to assemble will get assembled if I don't follow along with the with the step by step step instructions. I pay somebody to do it because I'm going to screw it up. Uh, well, the Diamondbacks here had an opportunity to get Zach Gallen off to a great start with some run support. They stranded, though. Uh, the base is loaded, so Julio Tehran gets out of that. Uh, Julio Tehran, though, he only gave up one hit, but he did have two walks in the first inning, 23 pitches for him. Zach Gallen is about to get his day started here right now. I guess the good news is that, uh, you know, the Brewers' bullpen is, I'm guessing, somewhat spent. But I'm not – I think the Brewers have an off day tomorrow. So, you know, I don't think that they uh, – you know, you don't have to worry about guys maybe pitching three days in a row at any point. So, maybe they're okay as far as that goes. But the Diamondbacks only scored the one run after the second inning last night, and they just left the bases loaded in the first inning of this game. So, as promised here, this Major League Baseball player poll for 2023 by The Athletic, it was uh, surveying 103 players across 22 teams with a variety of different questions that are going on in baseball right now. So, let's start with the first question. If you were starting a team today, who is the first player that you would sign? 103 out of the 103 players surveyed answered this question. 45.6% of them said Shohei Otani. 14.5% said Aaron Judge. 9.7% said Ronald Acuna Jr. And 5.8% said Adley Rochman. Bob, who would you pick? I couldn't take Rochman because he's a catcher. And he's been unbelievable. And the Orioles' record since he came up last year is way above 500. I understand the short term. But I wonder how long he's going to last because he's a catcher. That's probably very unfair. 
but that's just kind of the way I would look at that. Uh, also, for the same reason, I'm not sure how long Otani is going to be able to be effective uh, as an everyday player, at least a hitter. And uh, you know, every fifth day or sixth day, depending on the rotation with the Angels as a pitcher, I would actually take Acuna on this list, and I would also seriously consider Jordan Alvarez. But the problem I have with him is that he's like 23 years old. He's already had two knee surgeries, and he only have two knees. One player is quoted as saying here, it's a cheesy answer, but you have to sign Otani because he's two players for one, right? He's two for one. You get a pitcher and a hitter and really, really good ones at that. So there is that particular argument. Question. Yeah, if you're taking it for one year, I can see that. But if you, actually, if we were taking it for one year, I'm not so sure I wouldn't take Rushman. But, uh, you know, if it's long term, I mean, I can't make a case for Otani lasting. And how long can he do this? Question number two, which team do you think Shohei Otani will be playing for next season? 96 of the one. Is there more than one answer here? <laughs> There's multiple options. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, 96 of the 103 players voted here. Dodgers out in front at 57.2%. The Angels, 11.4%. Padres, 7.2%. Mets, 7.2%. And the Yankees at 6.3%. Okay, so let me quickly go through this. I mean, it's been thought for more than a calendar year that he's going to be with the Dodgers. Uh, there seems to be a limited chance that he's going to be with the Angels. Now, I've heard the San Diego thing, but you know, even for their owner, who is not afraid to spend money, how much money can they spend? Uh, and then the New York thing... I think it's just uh, based on what we heard, maybe he's changed his mind. But when Otani came to the major leagues, the reason that the Yankees and the Mets weren't really supposedly in the running is because he doesn't like New York. Question number three. We obviously know that the A's are expected to move to Las Vegas. There's also been chatter about uh, Major League Baseball expanding here. So what is the best potential expansion city? 100 of the 103 players voted here. Nashville leading the way, though, quite significantly at 69% of the vote. Montreal, 10%. Charlotte, 5%. Austin, 5%. Portland, 4%. Vancouver, 2%. And Salt Lake City. I've been to some of those cities. I've never been to to Nashville, so maybe I'm I'm the wrong person to be asking. But first up, I don't really think that there's any city that right now is seemingly built for a Major League Baseball expansion team or a a team or franchise, let's put it that way, any franchise. Uh, But I could be wrong about that. Uh, you, know, you know, probably Montreal. The, the having that, you know, the, how many chances can you get? It's like the Oakland crap going on. You know, people losing their mind. Oh, the A's are going to leave. They, they've been trying to fix that stadium or come up with some way to, you know, have some kind of understanding to fix that stadium or get a new stadium for I'm not joking at least 20 years. And I was at the 1990 World Series when the Reds finally, you know, last won. I was there for the last game of that World Series. And that, the Coliseum was a dump in 1990. Uh, so, you know, that, uh, you know, just, I haven't had a chance to 
scream out about that lately, so there, that was my chance. Sorry. No, you're fine. Corbin Carroll, he just made a spectacular catch to end the inning uh, and strand some runners on base for the Diamondbacks. So things are moving into the second now, 0-0. Moving on with the survey here, uh, are the new rules good for the game? And this is going to be a scale of 1 to 5, with 5 being the best. So the first rule on the docket here is banning the shift. 102 players voted here. Five had the most votes. The average came out to be 3.9 on this scale of 1 to 5. Some different quotes. Okay, from- let's go. Let, let's go. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, but let's go rule to rule here because I'm not going to remember all these. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's just some quotes here from different players on their perspectives here, all anonymous, though. Uh, I just feel like they could have done more. It's still there. It's still there, but it's not. Uh, it's more true to the game. Because I'm a left-handed hitter, the shift killed my yeah. career for about three years. I knew years. that was, I, that was it must be Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously. He likes it, though, because he likes it because he's the guy that was damaged the most by the shift. Uh, yeah, so obviously that's one sentiment about the left-handed hitters uh, now uh, having an opportunity to, uh, you know, hit. hit. Uh, then you also have some of the sentiment here that uh, while it's, there's still, there's still an element of this game that there is a shift involved. There is, but, I mean, it's not as pronounced or uh, exaggerated. Remember, Manny Machado would play third base, and when a pull left-handed hitter came up, he actually played in short right field for the Padres. That crap is out the window. I think the shift rule, is, uh, the change there has been tremendous. The next rule here uh, that they asked about bigger bases, 100 of the 103 players voted once again, scale of one to five, five being the best. Five had the most votes once again. The average ended up being 3.7. Some quotes here, for safety reasons, as a first baseman, I like it. Another quote, anything to keep us safe. Another quote, too many stolen bases. The game has changed too much. And uh, another person says, that one is kind of worthless. I just think it has such minimal impact that it's not good. It's not bad. Yeah, I think that probably the guy that uh, the, the whoever is quoted for the stolen bases there might be a catcher. <laughs> so just a guess. But I, I actually think, and I don't think there's any doubt about this, I've heard you know, many people, you know, players talk about this the biggest difference for them uh, have been infielders uh, who have to get the ball to first base with uh, more urgency and if you bobble the ball at all in an infield position now uh, the distance the, the, the bigger bases and the fewer distance to run between home plate and first base that seems to be what at least a lot of the players that I've heard talk about this that's been the biggest impact to them. Pitch clock, 100 of the 103. Let me, let me just backtrack a little bit, by the way. I'm sorry, one more quick thing, because I know we talked about all the stolen bases and the, you know, the rate being up and so forth. That has actually declined as the season has continued here. I think that's in part because you know, the, you know, the the pitchers have kind of figured out a way to kind of get around some of that, not all of it, but you know, they're doing a better job of holding runners on base and understand the rules better, and the same with the catchers. Pitch clock, 100 of the 103 players voted here. Uh, again, scale 1 to 5, 5 being the best. 
four had the most votes with the average at 3.7. Uh, some sentiments here from players. It's too fast and the operators are different when we're on the, the road. I always feel like I have less time. Another person's sentiments, I'd say it's fine, but uh, there have been a lot of pitcher injuries, and I want to see how it plays yeah. out through the whole season to see if they find a correlation between the clock and injuries, but otherwise it's great. The last one, the clock itself is fine. The results of an at-bat should not be dictated by the clock. Okay, that must be Manny Machado. <laughs> <laughs> so um, two things here. One, yeah, to whether it's pitch clock or not, uh, there have been more players shut down for Tommy John surgery in the first two months. I don't know what's happened the last couple of weeks. Uh, uh, it looks like that Kristen McKenzie may be headed for Tommy John surgery from Cleveland, though, too. But uh, yeah, from April 1st, roughly, to June the 1st, there were more pitchers out for the season because of Tommy John surgery than seemingly ever. Uh, so whether that's pitch clock related or not, I don't know. I think it probably has something to do with it uh, for sure. As far as just a baseball observer, I love the pitch clock. And if you don't quite understand the difference between now, you know, Major League Baseball, go watch it. You know, there's you know, the College World Series is still going on this week. Watch just one, just watch a few innings of any college game. And that's the way Major League Baseball used to be. And there's way too much lag time. The last question uh, that we'll bring up here from this Major League Player Poll 2023 conducted by The Athletic is should the pitch clock rule be different in the postseason? 102 of the 103 players surveyed answered here. Yes, 60.7% of the vote. No, 39.2%. Some of the sentiments here. Every pitch means so much in the postseason. You want the dramatic tension to be able to build. Another sentiment, no one wants four-hour games back. Another person, I feel like you have to keep it consistent. I think you definitely have to keep it more consistent. Why would you have the rules for a 162-game regular season and change them for the playoffs? It, definitely, because you've now started to get yourself into a rhythm, uh, figuring out how to pitch and be effective, and then you just change it for the postseason. Seems yeah, counterintuitive. Not, not just – I agree. Just not the consistency factor here, but you know, I think it's unfair. I mean, if you're going to force a, you know, the you know, a hitter to have the same restrictions or the pitchers, obviously, to have the same pitch clock, you know, for six months, you're going to change it for the postseason in October? You got, that, that would be just stupid. Uh Switching gears here for just a minute, uh, Putting World, located in Scottsdale, 16259 North Scottsdale Road. They're open Sunday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., Friday and Saturday, 10 a.m. to midnight. I can get your help with your putting stroke, get you fit into the right putter. Uh, I will say this here, that when I went to Putting World, the first time I did it, I didn't, uh, I didn't putt so well. I changed my putter to a half a degree flat, and then I go out and I shoot five under. So there's something to being fit into the right putter. Uh, but you can, too, with a $50 gift card right now, 602-260-1060 to Putting World. Caller number two is the winner, 602-260-1060. Visit them at puttingworld.com. It's poll question time on the other side of the break. The extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 happening here on this Wednesday, June 21st. 
Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Eleven forty-two, right here on KDOS AM ten sixty. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS ten sixty dot com and with the KDOS ten sixty app, powered by SuperBook Sports. We transition over to poll question time, and we'll get things started here with the KDOS ten sixty dot com poll question. Uh, Bob had a big time NFL offseason conversation with Josh Alper in the nine o'clock hour. If you missed it, podcast KDOS ten sixty and uh, the KDOS ten sixty app as well. Here's the question. Is DeAndre Hopkins good enough to boost a contender into a conference championship team? Yes or no? He is not. Um, And I think he's still a good player. Um, I don't think he's as good a player as he was. In fact, uh, I think it's pretty easy by the eye test to determine that in his couple years here, separation skills in his heyday, whenever that might have been, where that wasn't exactly you know the number one reason he was an elite player. He might still be an elite receiver, but you know to boost a contender into a conference championship team, I think that's kind of stretching it. You know, also the fact that he's not going to practice most likely or not going to practice very often, and I actually think that played one. Of, I think that played a role in the Cardinals letting him go because. I don't think that if you have such a young team like the Cardinals obviously do, that that's the kind of guy that you kind of want setting an example uh, for the younger players. Uh, so that's there. I think he's a good player still, but I don't think he's a complete difference maker. Also, he's had some injuries. I'm guessing at the age of 30-plus now that that's not getting any better. Hopefully he's not going to get suspended for PEDs again. There are just too many things that I don't think are on the positive side for Hopkins to say that he's good enough to boost a contender into a conference championship team. I concur that he's not wide receiver number one anymore, but I still think he can be really effective in the right situation. Um, I, I think, though, the question is how much does he think he's going to make, and does that match up with what teams are are willing to pay in addition to does that match up with contending teams and what their salary situations look like to be able to bring him in I'm also just not really surprised that nothing has transpired yet because uh, why would he want to go through the offseason program so he's missed that (laughs) It it would be beneficial for him though to be a part of training camps I am just really surprised that the betting odds uh, for him are best to go to New England and then obviously just factoring in you know Bill Belichick and how much he values practice and he wants you there and you get fined or you know kicked off the team if you don't show up to practice Uh, in addition to his relationship with Bill O'Brien who used to be his head coach I'm just really surprised that that seems to be the sentiment about where he's going to end up Um, I I do think though that uh, he could be a, a player in the right situation that certainly helps to bolster that wide receiver room, but he's not wide receiver one anymore. I'd agree with all that. I think you explained that uh, rather well. So I think we both explained our answer rather well. So there you go. 
Yes, out in front at 54% of the vote. No at 46%. This is KDOS1060.com's poll question. We'll toss it on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060. Who is the best AFC East team heading into training camp? Buffalo, Miami, New England, or New York? Uh, The Bills, I think, have the mantle, but... Stefan Diggs situation. He's he's expressing his frustrations. I think uh, the offense does rely too much on Josh Allen. Certainly, there's not enough balance in that offense. I think there are some defensive questions uh, just from a roster construction standpoint, as well as, you know, obviously Sean McDermott is a defensive-minded head, head coach, but now he's going to be taking over a lot more of the defensive res- responsibilities with Leslie Frazier uh, taking a year off. So I do think, though, that this team uh, and the window of their opportunities to be really successful and take advantage of this division, if you will, uh, the gap has narrowed. And so then I look at Miami as being the team uh, that has certainly tried to narrow this gap, that they have tried to shore up their defense. They've brought in a lot of players, brought in Vic Fangio on the defensive side of the ball to get everybody coordinated up and ready to go. I I think that they feel really confident about the offensive playmakers that they have and it, it they've really designed their offensive system that the quarterback just get the ball in the playmakers hands in space and let them do the rest that puts a lot of stress on opposing defenses for new england you know bill o'brien um being a real offensive coordinator i think really helps um but is there enough uh offensive weapons to fix Bill O'Brien actually knowing what he's doing. I think we'll have to figure that out. Uh, Do they also have enough on defense to shore up the secondary? I think that there's a pretty big gap there right now for New England and for the Jets. Obviously, their defense is really, really stellar from last season, and a lot of that, I think, is going to carry over. Most of the same players are coming back. You have a lot of great offensive weapons, and if you could just get the forward pass with New York, you had a chance to be really good. So you bring in Aaron Rodgers. I think he's really rejuvenated. You kind of see that about his attitude when he's talking to the media and how he's out at at practice, but you still have questions about injuries. Uh, The calf seems to kind of come up now and again. And and then just, we saw a drop off in production. So how much of that is, Uh, a new environment is going to fix that some better offensive playmakers around him in addition to just how much is it of uh, age kind of catching up so I I think until further notice it's the bills but the gap is much narrower I would have said Miami immediately without any hesitation before the latest Tyreek Hill thing Remember, he's got a history, too, and I have no idea. I don't know if anybody has any idea how the uh, you know, the uh, NFL law and order system actually works as far as suspensions go, but if he's suspended for any time, they're screwed because um, obviously he makes a huge difference in their offense. But let's assume that he's just playing every game. Then it's Miami for sure. Buffalo, to me, offensive line, average at best, the middle of their defense, I'm really concerned about the, uh, the, you know, the losses at linebacker and safety. New England, I don't care who the offensive coordinator is. I don't think Mac Jones is ever going to be a starting quarterback on a good team. I just think he's average. Maybe he makes some guys better if he has better guys around him, but I just think that he's an average quarterback. I'm still shocked, and I don't use that word often, 
unless I mean it, that he was actually a first-round pick. And then the Jets have – I don't care about Aaron Rodgers at all. God bless him. Hopefully he survives. But their offensive line was one of the best in the – excuse me, one of the worst in the NFL last year. And I don't think they've done anything to improve it in the offseason. So I'm on Miami, but I'm just basing this all. If, you know, if Hill's suspended for a few games, I don't – I just – I don't believe the other teams just have too many issues. I think Miami has more things going for it, but Hill's got to be playing. Buffalo out in front at 91.7% of the vote. Miami sitting at 8.3% and New England and New York getting no love. That's on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. I'm also kind of surprised in your Buffalo, or I'm sorry, in your Miami analysis that uh, Tua wasn't a, a factor for you. Injuries, etc. That's true. I mean, it should be. I mean, I think you have a good point there. I probably should have factored that part in. Uh, but I'm kind of assuming everybody's healthy and everybody's playing, at least of the current rosters. So like, if, if everybody's out there, I, think, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that they're the best team. Did Tehran just hit Marte? I think he did. Now there's going to be uh, a man on base here in the top of the third. Cattell Marte uh, getting hit by a pitch as the Diamondbacks are taking on the Brewers here this morning. We wrap up our number two and this Wednesday, June 21st edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. One more segment to go. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We'll get to the thank you time in just a second, but Sham Sharenia of uh, The Athletic reporting that the Wizards, Celtics and Clippers are in strong talks on a trade that would send Kristaps Porzingis to Boston, Marcus Morris and draft compensation to Washington and Malcolm Brogdon to L.A. Sides are still working through details and of course Porzingis's $36 million player option yeah um, I don't know if that uh, some people would probably think well, the, the Wizards are just tanking the season after dealing Beal and Porzingis but actually I think that that helps their organization if Porzingis is not around I'm also wondering what this potential conversation does for Chris Paul going back to the Clippers because that was, you know, the the talks whether or not the Wizards were just going to wave and stretch him or whether or not there's going to be able to be a third team involved in this trade with Beal. So I'm just kind of curious how those talks impact or don't impact what potentially happens and where Chris Paul ends up. I know we had the poll question yesterday, uh, which would be the better fit for Paul as far as the L.A. teams. And I think the Lakers would be by far a better team for him to go to. I don't trust the guys for the Clippers staying healthy. That's one thing. But I could see Paul playing like 25 minutes a game for the Lakers. 
not just the LeBron thing, their buddies and all that from way back when, but I could see him and and Davis being an unstoppable screen roll combination. Uh, as it is now, it is thank you time. So, Bob, I'll toss it back to you. Oh, yeah, that's right. All right, thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, textures, whomever and whatever else slip through the cracks. Also, our guest today. We had an NFL offseason review and uh, more from Josh Alper of Pro Football Talk. I was going to spare him any Cardinals discussion until he brought the Cardinals up at the end of the interview. So I asked him if uh, he thinks that they're the worst roster in the league. So we'll make you podcast and hear his answer. Uh, sound of the day, courtesy of uh, Fox, CBS, Bally Sports, Arizona. Um, also, 98 Rock, that would be the Orioles flagship. And WIP, the Phillies flagship, with uh, some dismal highlights from yet another loss. The Phillies losing again to the Atlanta Braves, which they've lost to a large majority of the time, like 80% of the time in the last five-plus years. Also, special thanks to Kayla and Corey and Aaron. And Kayla is going to tell us now what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports Who with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. The Diamondbacks here are still knotted up 0 0. Uh, it looks like they are in the third with Zach Gallen. Uh, does he have two outs? No, he just has one out uh, with a man on second for the Brewers and Christian Young. Yelich is up at the plate. Let me just add one other quick thing. I've been talking about this, and it's not changing. I mean, the odds makers and the betting market just don't believe in the Diamondbacks. You've got Tehran. We've gone through his situation against Zach Gallen, a candidate to win the Cy Young Award in the National League. And the Diamondbacks today are still just basically an 8-5 to five favorite to win. Actually, a 7-5 to five favorite or 7.5-5 to five favorite. Like 145, 150 favorite to win this game. You would think they would be much higher than that. But the market and the odds makers just do not believe in Arizona. NBA draft, it's tomorrow. Looks like the Denver Nuggets found a way to get themselves into uh, the draft as they made some moves as well. So plenty of things going on, yeah. moving and shaking. Sports zone, sports zone tomorrow, 915. We'll preview the draft. So there you go. There you go. Isaac Trotter set to join the show with uh, 24-7 Sports. So be with us tomorrow, 9 a.m., and, of course, the extra point from 10 to noon. We'll talk to you then.